I'm Amanda. I'm Jessie. In this podcast, we talk about the joys of motherhood as well as the experiences that have altered us along the way. We've created a safe space to talk about the hard and unconventional alongside the beauty, and we want you to feel confident in the decisions that you make as a mother. Welcome to the Motherhood Collective Co. Let's talk. Welcome back to the Motherhood Collective Co. Welcome. And welcome to the start of our birth trauma series. Yes. Um, Both Jesse and I have had unique experiences (laughs) in the birthing world. And I think initially we both thought we were totally alone Mm -hmm. until we started opening up about it. And we realized that this is actually a serious problem Mm -hmm. that is often ignored. So we are each in turn going to share our stories, um, and then we're going to also share a little bit about birth trauma itself and some like resources. Yeah, to help a more you. of an informative yeah. episode how um, after to our stories. It, mm-hmm. How to identify it, how to get help, and like yeah. how to talk to people with birth trauma, how to talk to people things about Things not to say trauma. to them, yeah. things to say to them if you're an outsider in their story. Yeah, so this, this subject is definitely very near and dear to our hearts, mm-hmm. and um, we do ask for a little bit of grace as we talk about this yeah. because this is um, something that literally gave us each PTSD, yeah, which is a serious absolutely. diagnosis. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's hard to talk about sometimes. Yeah. So And maybe even just put a trigger warning on, on listening to yeah. these if you're pregnant or if... You have postpartum depression. <laughs> if if Would it be helpful to you? Feel free to just not listen yeah, to them at this time. You're not going to offend us. I don't think yeah. I could listen to this... Um, the first year after I had Noah. So. No, not at all. I mean, neither of us have even gone through our stories from start to finish in quite mm-hmm. some time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just even be prepared for some bumps and some some pieces we don't really remember. Yeah, completely. and this is a real conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's not scripted. We didn't write anything down. Real time. So, just join us for our conversation. Yeah. Um, we're going to go through Jesse's story first. So, Jesse, I really just want to start with, like, what were your intentions with birth? Like you were pregnant, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. your daughter is two. Yeah. So over two years ago, you were pregnant and you had mm-hmm. all these thoughts about birth and ambitions. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was fully set on having a natural um, labor and delivery. I even hesitate to call it natural, I, maybe just unmedicated. Okay. I, I was hoping for, and even on the verge of doing a birthing center, um, I had thought about doing a home birth. And a big part of my story that starts with my intentions is that I was very swayed by what people were saying around me mm-hmm. and people that I cared about. Um, their opinions were a big a big reason why I made some of the decisions that I did throughout this process. And my initial gut feeling was home birth. Yeah. And then I said, you know what, let's do a birthing center. Um, and eventually got talked out of that as well and ended up in a hospital. Yeah. But... Yeah, I, I wanted an unmedicated birth, however that was going to look. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you chose your hospital, you chose your doctor, mm-hmm. yes. and you're at the end of your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. What were you feeling? Yeah. Um, what was your intuition telling you? Yeah. And like, how was your pregnancy going? Yeah. Um, my pregnancy was uneventful in the sense that we were both so healthy the whole time. Okay. Um, I did get HG. Um which is basically just extreme morning sickness all day, all night. Um, 
and I think that lasted until I was about 24 weeks. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, so that was a, yeah, that was a little, <laughs> that was a hard time, but yeah. COVID was going on and my husband was home with me. So yeah, I, was really I think that's really that. important. So, so pause important. for a second. Mm-hmm. You gave birth during what year? Yeah, 2020. 2020. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were faced with towards the end of our pregnancy, the possibility of my husband not being at the birth. Yeah. Oh, um, if he were to get, I got chills too saying <laughs> that, like if he were to have had a fever for any reason, even if it wasn't COVID, he was not going to be allowed at triage. Yeah. Um, so we were navigating that. I had always dreamt of having my mom and my dad at both of my shoulders, my sister in the room. Um, and that was quickly taken from yeah. me as well. So towards the end of my pregnancy, um, we started gearing up for um, a growth scan, actually, which I'm not sure if that's typical or not, around 37 weeks. Um, my daughter was measuring within like the 98th percentile, um, but she had been our whole pregnancy, and it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily concerning to me. It was concerning to my doctor. She was telling me that um, this baby was going to be too big. Um, I had passed my uh, gestational diabetes test with flying colors. We knew that wasn't a factor. My husband and I were just big babies, so I was prepared for that. Um, But she started pushing for an induction right around um, 38, 39 weeks. Okay. Um, I want to take a pause and just say that your body would not create a child too Mm -hmm. big for you to birth. So for anybody listening out there, if your doctor is pushing for an induction because Mm -hmm. your baby is too big... You just say, if you want to say no, you say no. And they have zero right to question your authority Mm -hmm. because that's your body and your child. Yes. And I, and I wish that I, what I know now, I wish I could go back and just shake myself and say, listen to yourself. But my doctor was very opinionated and I think she was the polarizing um, decision for me. Yeah. She was telling me that was my best chance at a vaginal birth. And it's hard as first of all, a first time mom and Mm -hmm. also somebody who's not in the medical field to just say no. Yeah. Because I, you know, and I just want to make that clear. You can just say no, Uh but you didn't know that. And I know that now. And, and good thing coming out of this birth story is that I am a completely different person, um, in a really good way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. That's that's kind of how it ended over over the course of the end of our pregnancy. Okay. So your doctor was pushing for the induction. Yep. You agreed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hesitantly. I, I actually scheduled two appointments in a week with her to go into her office and to just plead with her. Do you feel like this is necessary? Okay. Which may sound dramatic to anybody listening to this, but I just had this awful gut feeling that I should not get induced. And nothing around me was um, like proving that to yeah. be the case. You have intuition. I will probably yeah. say that every single episode we record. Mm-hmm. Like that is such a yeah. powerful gift given mm-hmm. to women. Yeah, is our intuition mm-hmm. and listen to. Yeah, it. yeah. So after the second um, appointment of the week, where I told her, you know, this is really what you think, and she said, yeah. I we scheduled the induction. I was going to be thirty nine and a half weeks, um, but my bishop score was zero. I, my body was not prepared for labor in any capacity. Um, but I just, I said, okay, like this is what we're doing. Um, I sat on my bed and I sobbed the night we were about to go over there. So you were, um, your appointment was at night to go in and the evening. Yeah, Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Sunday night, so you it, and your husband are at home, mm-hmm. you're upset. Tell yeah. me a little bit like what was going on in your head yeah. and how was your husband responding mm-hmm. and what was like, what, what happened that night? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was sobbing because I just looked at him and I'm like, I feel like something bad is going to happen. And, um, and he, he, I gave, he gave me permission to share this, but he was sharing, um, you know, 
I had struggled with anxiety in the past of our relationship and I think he saw that as an opportunity to just reassure me and to let me know like the worst case scenario wasn't going to be happening and mm-hmm. and I and I kind of pulled myself together and we went over to my parents house they made me a nice dinner and then we drove to the hospital wow at night wow yeah. mm-hmm. so tell me a little bit about like what happened when you got to the hospital, like the process of being Mm -hmm. induced. Yeah, yeah. So we walk in and we get settled in our room and they tell me they're going to start right ahead with a cytotech, a vaginal suppository. Um, They just said they nestle it right up against your cervix and it kind of just does its job. Um, And we had kind of told them ahead of time. I I wouldn't say I had a strict outline for a birth plan. I just said I don't want medication. Um, And that goes beyond just not... Our, our norm, my body's very sensitive to medication. They knew that. So they did actually three Cytotec pills overnight. Um, and part of why I had agreed to go into the hospital for an induction is my, my doctor, I left this out at the beginning. She said, if I don't start going into labor naturally after these Cytotec pills, we could reevaluate and I could go home if I wanted to. Wow. So I, I felt really comfortable with that. Okay. Um, because Cytotec, just you know, for basis, is supposed to be the more natural version of induction. Yeah, it's That's supposed how to it's just dilate your yeah, dilate your cervix pretty gently. Okay. Um, so we did three pills. It was the next morning. I um, was barely a one, and so that was kind of when we were supposed to reevaluate. Um, but a nurse comes in and she said, "I talked to your doctor. We're gonna just start right ahead with pitocin." And I'm like, "Wait a second! Like we?" She said, "I could go home if I if this didn't work." She was like, well, I mean, you could go home, but, you know, like, do you and your husband want to talk about it? We talked about it. And he was like, I mean, we're here. Like, he's excited to meet his he's baby. He's so excited. <laughs> and, I, and I just, like, want any listener to know that, like, there's no animosity harbored. No. Um, this was a hard decision for both Chase and I, and we both just thought we were doing what was best yeah. in the moment. Um, but it was it was hard because he was like, you know, we're just here. I know you're nervous, but it's going to be okay. Just reassuring me. And I was like, okay, I guess we're going to start with the Pitocin. Um, and they just turned it up to a one. And my body was really sensitive to that. Um, immediately started having contractions. And pause. You yeah. did not get an epidural at this time. No. <clears throat> I was I was thinking, like, this, this would be fine. Um, so I labored that way for, I think, six or so hours. Um, and I felt good. I was, you know, the, the contractions were painful, but... They were so manageable, and I mm-hmm. felt really like we could do this. Um, they came in and they went to turn my pitocin up again because I wasn't dilating for six hours of consistent contractions. It, it should have been different um, with my cervix. So, so, what were you communicating to the nurses and the staff, mm-hmm. and how are they responding to what you were communicating to them? Um, I was not great about communicating during the birthing process. Why? Um, I have since it's so hard for me to go back and even imagine this version of myself because I'm like her big sister now and I'm like girlfriend <laughs> you know like yeah. you know what you're talking about and advocate for yourself and I would never handle the same situation the same but I felt like um to give you an example I had bought my own hospital gown that I wanted to wear at the hospital yeah. and I get there and I'm like Chase should I just wear their gown and he was like no, no. <laughs> Where are yours? Yeah. And and it's just this feeling of like, I want them to feel like I respect them. I don't want them to think that I don't believe that what they're saying is true. Um, and it was more of just this like, I kind of cowered. I've had past medical trauma, I should mention that. Um, and I don't feel very confident in the face of a medical professional in this time of my life. Yeah. Um, so I, it was kind of like, okay, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You told me to do this. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they come in and propose an epidural. 
because of the fact that my body wasn't handling the Pitocin well, and therefore my baby wasn't um, handling the Pitocin well. And they kind of described it as like a wave in the sea. It's like crashing over her, crashing over her, and now it's just, it's so consistent, she's not getting a break. So when, when presented that way, it's like, of course, I will get an epidural. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I didn't want an epidural is because one of my past medical traumas had to do with a spinal tap gone wrong and the thought of another needle going in my back, I thought I, terrifying. it was terrifying. Yeah. Um, and your husband can't be anywhere near you. And um, they gave me the epidural. It wasn't bad at all. I, the, <laughs> the Lord gave me so much grace in that moment to, to be okay. Um, it kicked in pretty quickly. I wouldn't be able to tell you the timeline on how many hours have passed. I was in labor for about 30 hours total. Mm-hmm. Um, but they tried to have us, you know, go to sleep. I think this was our second night there. Um, and at this point, I'm not able to engage with labor at all. So I am mm-hmm. sat up in bed because that's the only place they could find her heartbeat consistently was when I was sat up in the hospital bed. And... Um, I just looked down. I think it was like midnight. I looked down at myself and I'm like, I am hooked up to eight different things. Yeah. I have an IV, a catheter. I have a blood, pre- blood pressure cuff. They have me on oxygen. They have me on, um, you know, the epidural, the like all the everything. Internal fetal monitoring. Internal fetal, yeah. yeah, everything. So I just remember looking, Chase and I were watching Shark Tank and I just looked at him and I'm like, this is the opposite of what I wanted. And now I know why they call it the cascade of interventions. Yeah. People just kept coming in and telling me, this is what we're doing now. This is what we're doing now. This is what we're doing now. Did you ever speak up? Um, No. The doctors were very condescending. Um, I shouldn't say the doctors. The nurses that were working with me were very condescending. And now that I've told my story a few times, I've heard that that's very typical for this hospital. Um, At one point, I looked at her and I was... was, I was crying. I was, it was midnight this right around the same time I'm talking about, I was crying. I looked at my nurse and I said, I really don't want to have a C-section. She was about to check me. Um, and she was like, I think that if that was what was best for you, you could, you could figure it out. You'll be mm, fine. That's good. And I'm like, that was my biggest fear. It's a major abdominal surgery. I don't, I don't want that. Um, so around 2 AM, they come in to check me. I'm baby and and maybe a centimeter and a half and I I should backtrack a bit they came in the morning after I was there um barely a centimeter dilated they broke my water I don't know how I missed this point um that was maybe one of the worst parts of my whole that was before your epidural before my epidural incredibly painful um it was I was not prepared I actually audibly yelled and I have a very high pain tolerance and that was even confirmed by the people watching me battle these pitocin contractions and thinking like this isn't even that. This I was is fine. Say that when you said Pitocin's not yeah. bad. Pitocin without an epidural is mm-hmm. like unbearable. And I had heard, I had heard that, and I, and I think that's a good like scale of where mm-hmm. my um, pain tolerance is. So the fact that I audibly screamed when they broke my water, I felt so violated. I felt mm-hmm. so um, nobody prepared me for what that was going to be like. Um, and looking back, my heart just breaks over the fact that like that should have been my and my my daughter's job to like to figure out together that's her it just felt it felt invasive like a choice was taken away from you completely yeah and an experience and um and it was just so routine for them they come in and they stick this giant mm-hmm. hook up you and then they just walk out and take their gloves off and I'm sitting there like shaking and in tears mm-hmm. um so so fast forward back to like 2 a.m they come in they check me I'm a, I'm a they said almost two centimeters so I've I've been laboring for 30 hours part of my water's almost been broken for the the 24 that they've that they recommend um 
So they start talking about, you know, I, I think we might need to do a C-section. How was that received by the people who are supposed to be taking care of you? Like, they're, like my, my heartbreak over it was irrational, given the fact that I was and about to be my, meet my daughter. Inconvenience. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, my doctor comes in and, and you start um, signing paperwork. I did confirm multiple times, this is my only option at this point. This is my only mm-hmm. option at this point. And they said, with the way you're progressing and the way your baby is handling labor at this point, I mean... I don't know what baby wouldn't be having a hard time with all this medication for 30 hours. That's a long time. Um, But they just said we could progress the way that we are. But at this point, you know, they don't let you eat. I haven't slept in two nights or three because I didn't sleep the night before I went into the hospital. Yeah, you were terrified. Um, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And how is Chase feeling at that point in time? Your husband. I honestly don't, I don't remember how he was feeling in that moment. I'm sure he was devastated for me and, and simultaneously very excited. Yeah. He was about daughter. to meet yeah. your child. Yeah. And I was, I was in decent spirits going into the C-section. I think I, they put that little bandeau on me and they said, when your baby's born, we're going to put her right in here. And it be, I, I was like, okay, we're so close. This has been yeah. a long haul yeah. of labor. And with, they said within the next 45 minutes, I'll be having, she'll be on my chest. Which is a hopeful statement yeah, to kind was, of help yeah. me through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they um, they put me in the bandeau. They wheel me back to the OR. Um, I wasn't prepared for the fact that Chase would have to wait mm-hmm. for me. So I got prepped by myself. Um, they put me on the table, and um, I I think I was, I was praying on the way over there. And I was praying that the Lord would just give me peace because... I'd never had surgery and I, it was, it was truly my biggest fear at that mm-hmm. point to have um, a C-section. And I do want to pause before we get into this part because yeah. I think this is your biggest trigger warning. Yeah. And I do want to say that not all C-sections are this way and not everybody internalizes a C-section this way. And if you had your baby via C-section and it was magical for you, like, and I've heard, it's so yeah, amazing. I've heard people have that. It's so yeah, amazing. But I think it's also important to respect that everybody internalizes their birth differently and mm-hmm. I think what happened to you during your c-section which we're about to get into yeah. um is not as common no um so mm-hmm. you had a very unique experience yeah. and it should be treated with like tenderness mm-hmm. and mercy and grace yeah even if you're listening to this and you think yeah. c-sections are great yeah. just respect yeah what we're about to talk Absolutely. about Absolutely. Mm-hmm. so go ahead and tell me like you were in the yeah. um, operating room at that point mm-hmm. um you're on the table what yeah. are you feeling experiencing yeah. seeing smelling like what's um, going on yeah so they put this patch behind my ear to mm-hmm. try to help with nausea which was um it was ironic because i started puking almost immediately mm-hmm. um and, you know, you're trying to lay flat on your back, which is the first time since you've been extremely yeah. pregnant that you're laying on your back. Yeah. And, I'm, and they have both of your arms straight, straight out to the down, sides. Yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to puke laying down while my stomach is getting cut open. The environment was, it was freezing, mm-hmm. so bright. And the doctors were chatting like they were having coffee mm-hmm. and about catching up about each other's kids. And... I am full-blown in a panic attack at this point. I need to ask you a question. Yeah. So the doctor that performed your C-section, mm-hmm. was this your OB you had been seeing the whole she time? She was. Okay. She was. Um, so they have me strapped down and puking. The anesthesiologist is holding a puke bag for me, and then they bring my husband in. Um, and like I said, this was this is the last time I've had a panic attack, so that was, you know, two over two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was 
I, I was I was I was having a hard time breathing, which I think they told me was common in, in C-sections to feel like your chest is getting a little compressed. So I, mm-hmm. I tried to talk myself out of that. Um, and I think when it took a turn was when she was born. They took her out. Um, they showed me to her. She looked so big and pink and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, she went over to her incubator. They were getting her all situated. Um, Chase went over there to get some photos of her and I'm thinking like okay we're like this is it you know we're done she gets to come sit on my chest and um and I knew nothing other than she had just been born they give her to Chase and they send them both out of the room immediately and I start freaking out devastated you are a mother just separated from her child that and you mammal in nature that is like an instinctual Yeah. Yeah, and I was I was begging them. I I just remember looking up at the anesthesiologist and I said, "What is going on?" I was told that my baby was going to be right put right on my chest, and I have this thing on. Yeah, you told me. (laughs) And this is where this is the scene that I get nightmares about. Um, Not as much anymore, but every night when I first got home, um, I looked up at her and I said, "Am I dying?" And she didn't even make eye contact with me. Oh, my gosh. And I start hearing in the background, the doctors aren't talking like they're at coffee anymore. They're, they're counting towels that I'm bleeding through. Oh, my gosh. Um, there's a nurse that comes to my shoulder and says, we have to put a shot in your leg. And I, and I knew what that meant. I was mm-hmm. hemorrhaging. Um, she comes back a few minutes later and says, I have to put another shot in your leg. And, um, I knew, you know, the first one didn't work. Were they communicating with Chase at this no. time? Like afterwards, did he no. know what he was going on? No, he didn't know what was going on with me either. Oh he actually gosh. thought at the time that he thought it was routine for them to be alone. I don't I don't think that he remembered that they said that the baby was going to be on my chest. Yeah. Um, I think he was enamored that he had his baby. Oh, and, yeah. and no one was telling him anything. No communication. Um, and now that I've heard from other OR doctors um, about this specific situation, they were they sent them out because I wasn't stable. Um, so I, so that's, that, it, it felt very out of body. It felt like, um, very, it, it, it was terrifying. Nothing short of terrifying. And I, and I just thought I, I'm going to black out any minute. Cause that's yeah. what happens when you lose too much blood. You just, you I assume you lose yeah. consciousness and then that's it. So I'm, I'm just hysterically crying. I'm like asking anybody, like, am I dying? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? And nobody's even looking Nobody. at me. No one's even looking at me. Like, um, and I don't know what you tell a patient in that situation if you don't know, but I would have hoped that it would have been some kind of an information. I, or just I, comfort. Like, I'm here with you. You're not alone. Yeah. All I heard the doctor was, I need this, I need this, I need this. And um, so I was hemorrhaging. Um, I did end up blacking out. Um, I don't know if that was from blood loss or trauma or shock. Um, I just remember that was my last scene mm-hmm. in my head. Um, until I woke up in um, the mom baby unit. Yeah. So there's pictures of me with my daughter in the recovery room. The recovery room, and apparently she nursed right away. She latched right away. Thank God. Um, we were separated for I think an hour, um, an hour and a half. Actually, I think is what my doula told me. Um, and I had lost a lot of blood, and I had you know had a c-section and those are those aren't great factors for milk production yeah um so we get to the mom baby unit and i think this part is probably equally as traumatizing as the c-section itself um 
there's so much I just don't remember. And like I said, it could be the blood wash, the medicine, anything like that. But I told them I didn't want any medication postpartum. I don't want painkillers. I, I want to be clear-headed and I want to meet my daughter. And you want to breastfeed your child. Yeah. And this was before we got sent back to the C-section. Yeah. So um, they didn't give me any pain meds. Um, so I was free of pain meds for, I think, about 48 hours since the C-section. And I was um, feeling very weird, very groggy, very... Um, not myself, and they kept telling me you lost a lot of blood. They they wanted to keep me in the hospital to monitor. To they they weren't sure of a transfusion. Um, you lost a lot of blood. Your hormones are shifting. Your milk is coming in. That was probably traumatic for you. Um, That's probably traumatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, so that's probably why you're feeling a little out of it. I wake I wake up the next morning. It's probably thirty six hours now since. Um, medication and it, it's getting worse I'm starting to see things I'm starting to hear things that aren't being said um, kind of hallucinating almost and um, none of none of my nurses really knew what what was going on um, they just kept attributing it to the blood loss and I believe them um, and I would say I don't know how many days we were into it. We were well into our hospital stay there, and this is getting worse and worse by the day. And finally, I have this nurse. Um, she was the only nurse that was compassionate about anything in mom baby, and I will never forget her. Um, I was having a hard time. Like I was on a catheter for I think three or four days after surgery because my bladder just wasn't cooperating, um, and she was just so she was so hopeful and patient and sweet with me and sat outside of my door and was like cheering me on to like pee and teaching (laughs) me all of these things that she was you know all her tips and tricks but then I start talking to her I'm like she seems like she cares I'm I said I'm not okay there's something really wrong with me um and I turn my head to go get back into my bed and she sees that that patch is still behind my ear. Mm-hmm. And the medication itself is a long name. It starts with an S. I don't remember it specifically. But she said, she kind of got this look in her eyes like, oh my goodness, we need to get that off. Um, why, why do you still have that on? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know I still had it on. Um, I'm not the one she that took it, there. it off. She <laughs> took it off and she started explaining to me kind of, kind of lightheartedly, but um, she just said, oh. They keep doing this. They keep leaving these patches on for too long. I've had multiple patients like go into temporary psychosis because oh that's gosh. the effect. This drug, this drug is only to be used for the duration of surgery. And how did they ever explain to you how that was affecting your breast milk? That was going no. directly into your newborn infant daughter. No, they didn't. And I honestly didn't think about it. I, um, I really felt like I was losing my mind. Like I had a moment where I was like, I just want to like pull my hair out. Like yeah. this is. If I'm going to feel like this for the rest of my life, I don't know. Like, it was just, it was horrible. And it's temporary psychosis. So mm-hmm. anyone who's experienced that can understand yeah. you are going crazy. You actually are. <laughs> um, she took that off, and I and my, my symptoms progressively got better over the course of the next week. Um, How long were you in the hospital? complete med- medical neglect. Um, seven days. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, that that was that was kind of the last that um, that transpired at the hospital was just getting that off, and we we went home, um, and I I don't remember the first few weeks very well. Yeah, they're, they're all such a blur, and I live them through pictures 
mostly. It's very common with yeah. trauma. Is mm-hmm. Your brain protects itself and yeah. it gets rid of those memories. You could have yeah. been having such amazing little experiences with your daughter, but your brain will yeah. totally cut that out. And, I, and there's, you. yeah, and there's, um, I know, I know my mom and my sister came over right away when I got home and they brought me lunch and ice packs and heating pads. Um, but I, I mainly know all those details because I went, I've reread texts, I've seen pictures. Um, and I would say it wasn't until Sunny's pediatrician appointment a couple days later, you bring them in when they're two days mm-hmm. out of hospital, I think, um, that her pediatrician looked at me and said, like, there's, there's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you, are you doing okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because what was he seeing in you? Um, well, you have to fill out this little questionnaire yeah. when you first get there, which is really great. Um, and I didn't think much about my answers at all. Um, I just thought, yeah, like some people have really, really scary birthing experiences. And you're not in something in the moment thinking, this is traumatic. No. It's never. all hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> and you look back and you say, what happened to me? Because mm-hmm. you're so in survival mode. Your adrenaline kicks in. You are trying to believe the best about the situation. And it isn't until you're removed from it that you can really see it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um and so she looked at me and she said, you know, I'm, I'm just reading over your paperwork and I just want to see if you're okay. So she went and got me another piece of paper and um, it was about diagnosing PTSD yeah. in a new mom. So I fill that out. Um, so I, like I said, I feel so groggy. I'm not even sure what's up from down and I'm just answering these. I think Chase was actually reading them to me and I was just answering them blindly. Yeah. Um, and she comes back in and she says, you have every symptom of birth trauma aside from feeling um, resentment towards your baby. Yeah. Or thank God for, again, yeah. thank God. Um, and she was just showing, I could see through, through the concern in her eyes, she was really concerned for me. Which had to have been a really nice feeling after it your was. experience to it be was. seen and heard mm-hmm. and cared for. Yeah. By somebody who doesn't really know you. It was, but it was also... Um, it also put me in this place of like, wow, there, there is something really wrong. Yeah. So it you was, took it on yourself. There was, there was, there was, um, reassurance. And then there was also perpetuated, um, fear, I guess, when someone really, really, really sees what you're going through. Yeah. You're like, okay, this was as bad as I thought it was. So what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it really was that bad. Um, and yeah. did you do anything about it in the following months? How long did it take you? I didn't. I, I would say that's another one of my regrets is that um, they told me there's all of these resources. There's books. There's um, support groups. There are, you know, all of these things that, um, gosh, I, I love I love the people in my life, but I felt very dismissed. Yeah, it's um, the most common phrase that someone will tell a mother after mm-hmm. she has a baby it's like oh all that matters is a healthy baby absolutely it's the worst thing it is. you can say to a new yeah. mom because whether or not you had mm-hmm. a traumatic birth yeah birth itself is life altering yeah. soul altering yeah. and every mom has to make this huge transition yeah. so for someone to say it doesn't matter what you're going through yeah. it only matters that your child is healthy I and I think internally we say yeah like we, in, in the moment we're like you're right mm-hmm. that's right yeah. my baby's healthy that's all that matters yeah and I did start thinking that yeah. way I'm like thank god something didn't happen to her and and I have to say, I feel like um, my mom and my sister were really good about asking me questions and processing. I think my sister listened to me process the same sentence 
a million times mm-hmm. over and over. Um, and I'm so grateful for that because, um, yeah, I, I felt very dismissed. Mm-hmm. I felt like the things that people were saying to me or about me that got back to me was very much, um, yeah, people have C-sections. Like, yeah. Yeah, people, yeah, like people are labeled for 30 hours. You know, mm-hmm. your baby's healthy. Yeah. Your baby's not in the NICU. And um, so I kind of started gaslighting myself a bit. Mm-hmm. I started saying, like, just get over it. Your baby's healthy. You have a healthy baby. Yeah, You're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and I think it wasn't until maybe a month in that my husband said, you need to call um, Eli, which is my therapist. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing her for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. He said, call her. A month in. That's really lucky. I think it was a few weeks in, yeah. Because um, some people don't ever catch it. And it turns no. into other illnesses. I think he was worried. I think he was really worried about the thoughts I was having. He yeah. would. He was the one sleeping next to me every night, waking up gasping for air. Yeah. Like, I just had another nightmare. I'm not in the OR anymore. I'm yeah. alive. My baby's fine. And um, there were so many sleepless nights where I would just have my hand on her chest. And there's this eye-opening experience to the, the fragility of life. Like, yeah. I grew up, I was a college athlete. I was always prided on being so tough and strong. Mm-hmm. And um, Jess is always fine, and she's always good. And um, and here I am just, like, shattering, yeah. right? And it's a complete identity crisis. 100%. Um, all of a sudden, I'm not okay. All of a sudden, I'm crying every single day. All yeah. of a sudden, I have nightmares every single night. All of a sudden, I'm realizing... Um, I should have been able to push my baby out and I feel like I failed. I yeah. feel like I'm not a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing what I was designed for. Very common with unplanned mm-hmm. C-section. So you're not alone in that. I harbored resentment over the fact that I experienced that alone. I'm the only one who lived that experience yeah. and that has driven me crazy sometimes. Like I just want one person, um, which the Lord has been, he's been so sweet to reassure me, um, of knowing what that moment was and mm-hmm. what it meant. And I've, I've had many um, dreams and um, just pictures put in my head by him of like, he, he understands and he was there and he was grieving. And, um, and, I, and I've, I've grown into complete forgiveness over the doctor, the situation, myself. I was so hard to forgive myself. I really have to catch myself most days where I just want to go back and like I said, just shake that girl and say yeah. like, speak up. Yeah. And, um, that leads yeah. me into what I was going to ask you. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to take away from this? Mm-hmm. Um, on the negative side, yeah. like on the, I'm going to do this different next time. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to take away? Because yeah. birth isn't always something you can control. Yeah. And sometimes it will end up yeah. in a different way Absolutely. than you planned no matter what. Yeah. But from your experience, like what are you taking with you? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think that I I want to honor the side of me that um, questions things and that feels um, one way or another about certain things and I want to honor that above the opinions of others. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to learn, which I have, um, to respectfully disagree with the people that really care about me and yeah. advocate for what I know to be true. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd say the biggest thing is that there's this, for, I fear sounding cliche in this, but there's this like mama bear that mm-hmm. was birthed that day where there is just nothing that I do not say or do um, for Sunny in similar situations mm-hmm. where we're in a medical environment or 
I mean, heck, even my dogs are in a medical environment, but yeah. I'm like, I don't, I yeah. will not. That's not happening. No. Yeah. I, and I, and I honor that gut feeling. Good. Um, so even, that's the good thing that yeah. came out of it. Yeah. I, I feel very empowered. My voice matters and, and what I feel matters. And I, and I know, um, how to connect to, uh, my intuition and what the Lord's trying to communicate to me. And that might not ever line up with what another person confirms for me. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, I've lived for a long time thinking I will only listen to my instincts or to the Lord or to um, whatever if it's confirmed by another person. Yeah. And that's just not how he always operates. And I, and I think there's there's a certain level of trust that says, I heard this mm-hmm. um, and I know that this is true. Yeah. So for a mom listening mm-hmm. who is maybe had an experience like that or yeah. hasn't but wants to be prepared from your story, yeah. what are your instructions for her? Mm. Like, what are you going to tell her to do to prepare? Because if her story ends up like yours, mm-hmm. like, what could you have done or what mm-hmm. could she do to maybe take some of that burden off of herself yeah. or off of the postpartum experience? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I would say going into your birthing experience, I would be very um, well-versed on your hospital Mm -hmm. there this is just practically speaking um i'll get into more of the instinctual feelings but um i'd be well versed on your hospital their cesarean rates Mm -hmm. i would really interview your doctor and i wouldn't fear being a being a burden to them yeah you're hiring them yeah you can fire them 100 percent. if you don't agree with what they're saying and you don't feel fully supported by them leave there are so many doctors in the world yeah and i'd like to add don't go by what your hospital cesarean rate is you the practice mm-hmm. the person delivering yeah. your child yeah you need mm-hmm. to know their cesarean rate. I, I find it so ironic because the hospital I delivered at is the highest yeah. um, cesarean rate in Colorado but my doctor in particular has the one of the highest in the nation yeah. and it's like the highest um like it's the most loved birthing hospital in this it area is. <laughs> isn't that interesting it is because mm-hmm. again I feel like it has more to do with the practice yeah. of the person I agree. that is delivering. Because I've had I've had friends have wonderful birthing experiences yeah. there with different practices. Yeah. Um, I would do that. I would um, become well versed and researched um, in in the realm of even the cascade of interventions. What happens if this happens? Yeah. If you start in and you go, okay, I'm gonna. I just want an epidural. Okay. What happens if that doesn't work? Yeah. What happens if that works too well? What happens if? Um, just really like play out those scenarios and talk yeah. with your partner. What are we gonna do if yes. if we start pitocin and, and I'm not progressing? Have those what, conversations mm-hmm. with your partner. What what is the um what is our biggest goal in this situation? Where where can we support each other? Mm-hmm. Um, if you maybe come up with like a secret word. If you have that um that medical intimidation that I had, I think it's called white coat syndrome. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's no, that sounds good. I it's um, called that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, I think that's actually when your heart rate and your blood pressure are like inconsistent with their baselines when you're in the presence of a medical professional, which is also true of me, but, um, maybe have like a key word if you struggle with that, where you're like pandas, you look at your husband and you're like, this means you step in, you're advocating for me. They're not listening to me and you step in the crossfire. Yeah. Um, I, I always had this conversation. So I'm a prenatal chiropractor and, um, and I, exclusively worked with mothers. Mm -hmm. So I would always ask the husband to come in for Mm -hmm. one of the visits. 
and I would have this conversation with them. Your wife is doing all this work. Yeah. Okay. She's not in charge of making decisions. Right. You need to talk to her mm-hmm. about the decisions beforehand and you are, and this is so funny because this is what we kind of learned in our prenatal classes is like men tech, like they have this natural instinct to protect. Yeah. Right. It's like, they call it like the caveman instinct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like protect your cave. Yeah. That room mm-hmm. is your cave. That woman is your family. Mm-hmm. I love that. Have that conversation, and then you step up and you be the bad guy. Your wife doesn't want to be the bad guy. She is in pain. She wants help and she wants love. You need to be the bad guy Mm -hmm. for her. And but that's not something that that most men think because they think my wife and I are in this together, and I want this to be peaceful, and we trust the doctors, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You need to say that to them though. I need you to protect Mm -hmm. me because if not, they're not gonna understand that that's what you're wanting. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would, I would just really, really stress, um, becoming familiar with your doctor or your midwife, Mm -hmm. um, before the birth and, Mm -hmm. and just kind of play out those scenarios even with them. And if, like, once again, if they don't have the time for you, then you don't have the time for them. Go find a new fire. You can fire them. (laughs) At any point in time. Absolutely. Um, so I would say those things, um. And then I would just say having so much grace for yourself if, and I know you're going to touch on this a bit mm-hmm. too in your story, but just have so much grace for yourself if things don't go as the planned, way you wanted to, the way you wanted yeah. to, um, go in with a plan and go in with that hope and expectation, but give yourself the grace, which I did not do. I was devastated for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. I, I still, if somebody's telling their birth story, I have to leave the room because I didn't get that, like, you, your baby gets put on your chest. And yeah. that, that first moment that people say they live for, mm-hmm. that, that, that women for um, millennium have yeah. said that's, that's the life-changing that's the moment. The smell, that, the vernix, the... The first time yeah. I see and kiss and touch and hold and they, and they latch and we have skin to skin and... That is something I will not experience yeah. with my daughter, and, um, and you have to mourn that. Yeah, you have to mourn that, and you and you have to the little individual details that didn't go as planned. Mm-hmm. Not having my husband there, um, missing her first moments, and in her first month of just a fog. Um, give yourself the grace to navigate this for the first time, and forgive yourself immediately. Yes, for things that may have gone wrong. That is exactly where my brain was going. Forgive yeah. yourself. Don't hold a grudge against yourself no. because you really are just no. doing the best you can. Mm-hmm. And call and call your therapist. Yeah, and have a therapist before you go into yes. birth. Like yeah, pick call one out. Therapist. Whether or not you ever had any interaction with them mm-hmm. before, do your research. Find mm-hmm. somebody that mm-hmm. way. When crap hits the fan after birth, mm-hmm. if it does. You have a phone number yes. and you're like, and you have a plan. Absolutely. Call. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I think the last thing I would say, I know this is a lot, but I've just learned so much from the situation. I feel like do not be ashamed to set boundaries with people in your life for a period of time while you heal. Yeah. Um, if I know for me, um, every time someone would come over to meet Sunny, I would end up going upstairs and crying. Mm-hmm. I did not want to be away from her. Mm-hmm. We ended up, co- I don't know if we would have co-slept or not had this not happened, mm-hmm. but I I think um, something kind of got turned in me when they took my baby from me mm-hmm. in the hospital. I felt like, no, she, like she has been in my own womb for nine, ten months, nine months, and now she's gone. How dare you? Yeah. And I know this, like, I know the reality behind the scenes, but how dare you take my baby from me? Yeah. How dare you not tell me where she's going? Um, it's terrifying that somebody has the power to do absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think it lend itself immediately to co-sleeping. Mm-hmm. I wanted her next to me. I want to be near her. I want to smell her. I want to touch her. I yeah. want 
Um, and I was, I felt that I still feel that way to some regards, but it, it while she was an infant, it was heart wrenching for me to let mm-hmm. other people hold her. Um, not only were we in the middle of COVID and cold and flu season, mm-hmm. um, and RSV season. And once I, once again, I, I have people in my life who are, who are NICU nurses mm-hmm. at children's locally. And they tell you the horse. They tell me the things that, yeah, like that are going around and to protect our babies from. And, um, I wish I would have spoken up a little bit more and, and more clearly. Like, this isn't personal, but I'm going to hold Sunny the whole time you're visiting yeah. today. And there are ways you can do that yeah. um, that my therapist helped me with mm-hmm. was like, oh, she's feeling a little clingy to mom yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Like, put it on the baby. Nobody yeah. cares. She's not going to care. Right. She wants you more than she wants that other person. Yeah. Anyway, so. mm-hmm. But I was I was just so con- I was so concerned with letting people down, yeah. even in that postpartum time where yeah. I just I just wanted to snuggle up. And, and one of my friends does this thing where she's she snuggles up for 40 days postpartum, the first 40 days. She's in bed with her baby. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not doing anything extra. They're eating wholesome meals. They're nursing. They're becoming familiar with one another. I would do that differently yeah. next time. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for yeah. sharing all that because it's hard. And I know that it brings up a lot of stuff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'll be saying a prayer for you. Too. Yeah. So that Thanks. <laughs> you yeah. can have a little bit of peace after sharing yeah. that with the world. It feels good to come this far and be able to tell yeah. it so level-headedly and it's there's been a few like visceral reactions with my body while I'm telling this where I'm like, Oh, how like yeah. random shake or chill or, but, yeah. but as far as cognitively and emotionally, I feel like, um, I feel healed, yeah. but yeah, our body remembers 100%. And I really hope that somebody listening to this yeah. totally identifies with your story and gets hope from it. And yeah. I hope that person reaches out Me too. because they can yeah. find us on Instagram, on, Instagram, on YouTube, yeah. mm-hmm. um, they can find us on TikTok yeah. at the Motherhood Collective Co. Yeah. Please reach out. We'd love yeah. to talk and hear your story and walk this with you. Yeah. And Jessie has wildflower writings on Instagram and she would love to talk to you yeah. too because Absolutely. that got us through all of this was having people to relate to. Yeah, completely. You're not alone. That's how we, we bonded. <laughs> that that's how, how we met. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, and remember that you were chosen to be the mother of your children. And you are exactly where you need to be. See See you next week. week.